2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. If you have it, say amen. All right. It should be over my head at this point. Awesome. All right. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God had told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not just once, not just twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was troubled sore for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but that prophet named Elisha that's in Israel telleth the king of Israel all the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And if you'll allow me the liberty for the next half hour or so, I want you to replace that word Dothan with the word Watertown. Because I believe God has taken this church and begun to use it in an awesome way to begin to, a, to attack the stronghold of the enemy and begin to frustrate his designs and his purposes in South Dakota. But don't expect the kingdom of the enemy to lay down and to die. And he knows full well where we are. He knows full well where we're at on the map. And we are in Watertown. He continues in verse 14. Therefore he sent horses, chariots, and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city around. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, master, what shall we do? How shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I believe with the help of the Lord for the next few moments, our spiritual eyes are going to be opened uh, to what we're facing in Watertown, uh, but not only open to what we're facing and what you're going through. And I believe many of us uh, are facing a struggle right now. Many of us are facing a feeling uh, of fatigue and tiredness right now. Uh, but God is about to open some eyes uh, and he is going to show us uh, that those that are with us are greater than those uh, that are against us. Those that are with us are uh, are stronger than those uh, that are against us. I'd like to entitle this simply, Breaking the Siege. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would move in this place. I ask, Lord, for your anointing upon my lips. I ask, Lord, that you would loose me to flow in the Holy Ghost. Let me be sensitive to what you're trying to do in this service. Anoint my eyes, anoint my ears, uh, that I could hear and see, God, what you are trying to do. I want to operate, uh, not my will, but thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you slap your neighbor and tell him, break the siege. Slap your other neighbor and tell him, break the siege. 
Anybody going to help me preach today? All right, awesome. Now, to lay some foundation for this, I turn to a passage of Scripture that most of us could probably quote or know quite well by heart. But that is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, or at the end of everything, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. As a little reminder, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world uh, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Because of all of that, we are to take unto us the whole armor of God uh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done everything else, stand. Now, I know I've preached about warfare a number of times lately, but if you would humor me for the next few moments, I believe God has laid something on my heart to provide direction and to provide a little encouragement to our church. I get an easy role sometimes. Pastor has to handle the vast majority of the speaking that goes on here. And every once in a while, I get to step to the pulpit and I get like a month to prepare and I get to pray and I get to fast and I get to seek God uh, for a word. And I believe he gave me one if I could just get my flesh out of the way and get it to you. 2018 has been an incredible year. It has been a magnificent year. Battles have been fought. Personal battles have been fought for prayer, for fasting, for devotion. Battles over family have been fought. Battles against addiction have been fought. Battles against depression have been fought. Uh, battles against suicidal thoughts have been fought. Uh, and most importantly, victories uh, have uh, been won. Strongholds uh, have been broken down in the spiritual realm. Uh, things in my own life uh, that I was facing, I have broken through them uh, in Jesus' name this year. Uh, and I believe as a church there are some things we have faced and come up against uh, that we have busted through in the spiritual realm. Now, it is important that we thank God for every little victory. It's important that we have a thankful attitude, uh, that we build an altar at that place of victory, and we go back to it often. Uh, we remember what God has done through us. But I believe there is still lying before us a battle. There are still personal battles against heaviness, against apathy. If you doubt me, I invite you to stand up here during worship service sometime uh, and watch the personal battles played out on some faces. Uh, that's not an attack on you personally. That's not uh, anything of the sort. But there are those in here uh, who have a desire, uh, but there's an attack on them. There's a heaviness on them. Uh, there's an apathy on them, and it is sucking uh, their desire for devotion. It's sucking your commitment to prayer uh, right out of your life. It's sucking your hunger for a relationship with God uh, Right off of you. There is an ongoing battle against hopelessness and heaviness that is in this region. These are not open and decisive battles. But rather, I believe it is an ongoing siege against the kingdom of God. Now, siege warfare is a fascinating study. And uh, 
You've heard me say it probably every time I preach because I'm a little bit of a dork and I love history. I, I like anybody here love history class. Anybody here hate history class? All right. There's a couple couple willing to admit it. History blows my mind. I love dates and names and things that happened and and watching the just the, the all of the sands of time begin to flow together into an awesome uh, this awesome array of what God has been doing and what God has been orchestrating and and people's failures and people's success I love watching it but siege warfare is an incredible study in and of itself there are many examples of famous sieges throughout history in fact uh, if anybody ever heard the term Trojan horse, we've co-opted it to to be like a computer virus these days. But it was from a siege in ancient Asia, Asia Minor, where they 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 pulled back. They left a giant horse that they thought was like an offering to their gods and they brought it into their city. And inside of there was the enemy. It was a siege that was broken through some trickery. Jerusalem in 70 A.D. underwent a siege and the Romans eventually took the city and they ripped down the temple and they burned everything. They they stripped all the gold off. Some of the gold melted in the fire, so they ripped up the stones to get to what had run in between. They crucified everybody. It was a wild time in a siege. A more modern siege would be the siege of Leningrad in World War II where a Soviet city of several million was surrounded by the Germans for over a year and they were pounded mercilessly and the cost in manpower and the cost in material was immense. Millions upon millions died in the siege of Leningrad. But sieges are interesting. Usually the glory goes to the out-in-the-field massive battle. Usually there's, there's more excitement, there's more drama when men on horseback are clashing or tanks are, are busting each other up in the open field. But there's a time and a place for siege warfare. You see, sieges are usually begun when the enemy does not have the power to take the city on his own right then. And I believe we are in a siege simply because Satan does not have the power to take us out on his own right now in his own strength. Oh, sure, he'll try to talk a big game. He'll try to sound tough. He'll try to tell you you don't have a prayer. He'll try to tell you what you're facing is too big. Why do you even go to church? What are you even putting yourself in that place for? He'll try to tell you all that, but that's only a psychological warfare. If he had the power, my friend, to knock you out, he would have done it already. If he had the power to take you down, he would have already done it because he hates you. He does not like what you stand for. He does not like your love for the things of God. The nature of siege warfare, slow, quiet, strangling, strangulation. The goal is to starve and demoralize the defenders. It's a perfect description of how, say, a serpent might attack its foe. Slow, strangulation, starvation, demoralized and there is a heaviness in the atmosphere that is trying uh, to squash and to strangulate and to demoralize uh, and to push down uh, the working of God in Watertown and in all of South Dakota. There is a heaviness in the Holy Ghost uh, or coming against the Holy Ghost that is trying uh, to stop the working of God. 
You see, surviving a siege requires several things. First of all, it requires food. The defenders needed to have a stockpile of food inside of the walls, or it would only be a matter of weeks at best that starvation began to take its toll, and the fighting men on the walls would lose their strength and no longer be able to defend the city, making them ready for an easy attack. You see, in the siege we're in, uh, we are needing food. But Matthew 4 and 4 tells us where our food comes from. He answered, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, uh, in your hard times, uh, when you're going through a rough fight, uh, when you're just trying to hang on with your toenails uh, hanging on and your fingernails sunk in, uh, and you're just trying to make sure you don't go backwards, uh, that's not the time to lay down your Bible. Uh, that's the time to pick up your Bible. Uh, that's the time to fall in love with the Word of God. Uh, that's the time to draw your strength from the Word of God. Uh, that's the time to learn uh, to lean on the food of the word uh, of God. Surviving a siege requires water. John chapter 7 verse 37. We don't have to rely on some natural well. We don't have to rely on the tap downstairs. We don't even have to rely on the Kangen water filter downstairs. John seven thirty seven says that Jesus stood up and cried, uh, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, uh, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, but this spake he of the spirit, which they that believed on him should uh, receive. Uh, the enemy wants to cut you off from your source of water. Uh, he wants to have you dry uh, and thirsty uh, and feeling like you're going to die of thirst. Uh, it's hard to pray uh, when you feel like you're being strangled. Uh, it's hard to pray uh, when you feel a heaviness pushing down on you. Uh, it's hard to pray uh, when it feels like nothing's getting to through. Uh, it's hard to pray uh, when the enemy puts that spirit of fatigue upon your shoulders uh, and you're thinking, maybe I should just go to bed instead. Uh, I'm not getting anywhere in prayer. Uh, but the devil would like you to believe that's just your flesh. Uh, yes, uh, I believe. We need to rest physically. Absolutely. I don't get enough sleep. I'll throw that out there openly. But there is more to it than that. There is a reason a heaviness comes over a church in the middle of the afternoon. It's not the temperature. It's not the annoying guy standing in front of you. It's not the bright light through the windows. There's a heaviness that settles upon it because the enemy is trying to convince us that our fatigue is just our flesh. But it's something far darker than that. It's something far Far more evil than that. Uh, there is a heaviness uh, that must be broken uh, by a church that knows how uh, to pray in tongues. Uh, a church that knows what it's like uh, to drink water out of the wells of salvation. Uh, a church that knows what it's like uh, to tap into that place in the Holy Ghost. Uh, come on. Let's lift our hands in this place right now. Uh, lift your hands in this place. Uh, come on, let the Holy Ghost speak through you. Uh, it's important uh, that we find a well uh, that doesn't involve this world. Uh, it's important that you find a well uh, that does not involve your feelings. Uh, it's important you find a source of water uh, outside uh, of yourself. What a I want to tell somebody right now, what you are feeling is not just your flesh. That tiredness you've been feeling for months, 
that depression you've been feeling come on you, that, that, that attitude that's trying to stop you from praying, that is not just your flesh. Uh, there is a spiritual component to that as well. Surviving a siege also meant you had to stop the enemy from sneaking in. I take you to the fortress of Antioch, one of the most powerful cities in the era of the First Crusade. It withstood siege after siege. And during the First Crusade, it was conquered or it was owned by the Saracens and the, the Christian garrison came down from Europe. And we could debate till the cows come home on uh, what the Crusades were, what they meant, all of that good jazz. None of that matters. It was under a siege. And it went on for months. The people inside were starving. The people outside were starving. There was a relief force that was coming. It had been gathered up from other areas of uh, the Saracen kingdom. It was coming. But the people outside the walls managed to convince just one man inside the citadel to help them over the wall. And one night, under cover of darkness, this one man who was in charge of an entire guard tower on the wall let the enemy come up and he let them scale the walls and he assisted them uh, as they went and opened the gate. And from that point on, the siege was over. It was busted. The enemy was inside uh, of the walls. Be careful, church, what you allow inside of your walls. What pastor preached last week, uh, that lock of consecration of being holy uh, and separate from this world uh, is so critical in the fight that we are in. Uh, it is so important in the fight that we are engaging in uh, because what you allow to come through the wall, uh, what you allow to come over the wall uh, will absolutely affect what goes on uh, in your castle. You see, what you listen to throughout the week will affect your ability to tap into God in worship. What you watch throughout the week will affect your ability to get a hold of God uh, in the presence of God at church. Uh, what language comes out of your mouth uh, will absolutely affect uh, the praise that comes out of your mouth. Uh, if you've got a bad attitude out there all day, uh, don't be surprised when you come to church uh, and everybody else is spitting and snotting and screaming and going crazy and you don't feel nothing. That's because the enemy's inside your wall. Uh, that's because the enemy has found a way uh, to sneak over the wall, uh, crawl up inside, uh, and he is taking it over from the inside. That is why uh, our pastor preached so, uh, so skillfully, so anointedly last week uh, about the need to be separate, uh, the need to be holy, the need to be distinct uh, from this world. A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Well, I'm not watching. I'm not watching pornography. Yeah, but you're watching movies with nudity and sex scenes in them. What's the difference? Well, I'm not like out killing people or anything like that. Yeah, but you're glorifying those that are singing about it and enjoying it and giving them your money. What's the difference? Don't let the enemy sneak his little way into your castle. Uh, don't let him sneak his way over the wall. Uh, the only reason that fortress fell uh, is because somebody on the inside uh, was willing to betray everything uh, just for a little piece of what the world was going to offer. Another example being the Great Wall of China. A very effective structure. Yes, massive structure. But every time it was conquered, it was right through a gate. Somebody was bribed to let something in 
and China was conquered. It's interesting that Elisha finds himself in another siege in the same chapter. If you skip ahead to chapter 6, verse 24, it comes to pass that the king of Syria, after his last licking at the hands of Elisha and at the hands of God, he gathers up all of his host. He goes up, he besieges Samaria. There was great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung was sold for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, uh, O king. And I believe fully there are many in our community that are crying desperately for help. But listen to what the king said. If the Lord's not helping you, how can I help you? Out of the barn floor? Out of the wine press? I don't have any way to help you. This world does not have uh, an answer. This world does not have uh, the response. Uh, yes, uh, they can throw money at it. They can throw social problems at it. They can throw uh, little programs at it. Uh, but it's not going to fill that emptiness and that longing uh, that is down inside each and every one of us for a Savior. The king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give me thy son, that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. The things that a siege will cause people to do. Not only are they eating the heads of donkeys, and hopefully just using the, the pigeon poop for fuel, but it's not very likely. Now they have crossed a line to a place where they begin to consume uh, the young among them. Verse 29 says, We boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, Give me your son so we can eat him. And she hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words uh, of the woman that he ripped his clothes. Uh, he passed by on the wall. The people looked and he had sackcloth within uh, upon his flesh. Sieges by their nature will take out the weakest among us first. And the devil would like nothing more than to choke out the children. He would like nothing more than to begin to squash younger saints. Uh, he would like nothing more than to begin to tell uh, established saints in this church that he's coming after your kids. Uh, he would like nothing more than to tell you uh, that he's going to take them from you. Uh, he would like nothing more than to tell you that your brother uh, and your sister is never going to serve God. Uh, he would like nothing more than to get you to, to begin to consume uh, the young among us. And Elisha is right there in the siege with everybody else. He's going through it just like they're going through it. The man of God is facing the same thing. Uh, we read about his predecessor, Elijah. Ravens would come and bring him food. And then he was fed from a bottomless barrel of meal and oil from a little widow woman. Uh, but we read nothing about God providing for Elisha other than the fact uh, he's in the same city going through the same hardship that everything else is. And in chapter 7, verse 1, the narrative reaches a critical point. And the word of God comes to Elisha and he says, Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time 
Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria? Hear me right now. God is not a God of secret or small victories. He's not interested in just a tiny little victory here and there. Our God is a big God. He's a God of big victory. He's a God of triumph. He is a God of overcoming. Uh, He is not like we've already said in this service uh, in a close contest with the devil. He has defeated him. Uh, He has beaten him. Uh, In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, it's not on the screen, uh, but it said that after he came through the cross uh, and he came with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand, uh, he had already triumphed openly over the devil. Uh, He'd already made a show of him. He'd already put his feet uh, on his neck. He's already beaten him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, now thanks uh, be unto God, uh, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Uh, Always triumph in Christ. Uh, Not occasionally. uh, Not every once in a while. Not maybe if we get lucky. uh, Always. uh, If you look at that word, it means every time. uh, Not just sometimes. It means every time. uh, Always uh, triumph in Christ. You might be in a long battle right now, but I'm here to tell you, you hold on long enough and you're going through. Uh, You hold on long enough and the God uh, that maketh us always to triumph uh, is going to take us through. Uh, And so here's Elisha when it looks hopeless. uh, The king has sent somebody for his head uh, and he prophesies that by tomorrow they're going to be eating Twinkies and fry bread and whatever awesome little thing uh, that they could find. You see, God is a God of victory and breakthrough. And the people went from pigeon poop to fine flour in one day. That breakthrough in your family that seems so distant, it's coming. That revival in this church and in this region that feels so faint uh, and the 40 souls that were prophesied over that we have yet to see, uh, it's coming. I refuse to give in to that attitude of hopelessness and fear that would try to get us to give up, uh, to lay down and die. Uh, It is coming uh, in one moment, uh, in one day. It's coming. uh, Just uh, hold uh, on. There were a couple of lepers sitting outside the gate. The lepers were in a tough spot. Society didn't really care for them anyways. And now with the siege inside and the fact that everybody's willing to eat pigeon poop and boil their kids, there's no more food coming over the wall for the lepers. And finally, the situation got bad enough that it stirred them to action. You ever wonder, it's not in my notes, but you ever wonder how come sometimes we have to wait Until it gets so bad before we get stirred to action. How come we have to wait until we literally can't see the bottom when we're looking up for action? The Syrians didn't want them either because they would have brought disease to the camp. And so here are these lepers with nothing to lose. And they decided, you know what? Why don't we just go see if we can go out to the enemy and get a little bit of food? And that is when an unlikely attacking force 
began hobbling its way towards the enemy. In 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 6, you can almost picture this little ragtag group of lepers. One guy's got a lower leg missing, and he's on a crutch. The other guy is helping him along, and he's got an arm missing. They're just dragging their little carcasses over to the camp of the enemy. They don't look like anything special. They don't look like much. But it was a group of people with nothing to lose. Uh, It was a group of people that was desperate uh, and looking for an answer to the dilemma that they were in. And the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 7, The Lord uh, made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Uh, And the enemy began to say one to another, Lo, uh, the king of Israel has hired against us the Hittites uh, and the Egyptians to come upon us. Uh, Then they arose and they fled in the twilight. They left their tents. uh, They left their horses. They left their donkeys, even the camp uh, as it was. And they fled uh, for their lives. You see, somebody finally stepped out uh, and then God did the rest. Uh, When are we going to step out uh, as the Jesus church, uh, a little ragtag collection of people? uh, And we might be dragging a leg behind us. Uh, We might be doing this, uh, doing that. We don't look all that impressive to the world. Uh, We might not have a full parking lot, uh, but we're available uh, and we're willing to put our lives uh, in his hands. uh, And we're willing to step up and say, God, uh, here I am. I am. uh, What can you do with me? You see, somebody stepped out uh, and then God did the rest. Uh, And church, that's where we step in. Uh, The prince of the power of the air in South Dakota has a stranglehold uh, of hopelessness and health heaviness. And God is going to use this church to break it. Not only in Watertown, uh, God is going to use this church to break it off of this region. Uh, That hopelessness, uh, that depression, uh, I speak to it right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, You are are broken. Uh, your days are numbered. Uh, you are defeated and you are gone. Uh, nothing uh, can stand against the church uh, of the living God. Lepers, let's all stand together. Begin to go tent to tent. Rejoicing, enjoying the food. Hear me. I believe in this story we are the lepers. We have walked towards the enemy camp. Uh, Our church from a year and a half ago, a year ago, is completely different uh, right now. Uh, We have seen the enemy turn tail uh, and run. And we can go from tent to tent. And enjoy the food and rejoice and have it. Uh, we can go every Sunday uh, and have an awesome knockdown, drag out Holy Ghost service every Sunday if we want to. But look what they said in the next verses. Verse 9. They looked at each other. Probably on their 14th turkey leg. Drinking non-alcoholic wine from a very ornate chalice. And they said, wait a second. We're not doing well. This is a day of good tidings. And we're holding our peace. If we tarry until the morning light, some mischief is going to come upon us. Now, let's go. Let's tell 
the king's household. God had used the lepers to break the siege of the city. And I believe God has used the Jesus church to break ground in South Dakota, to break ground in Watertown. But at this point in time, nobody in the city had any clue that the siege was actually broken. For all intents and purposes, here's this little group of lepers having the time of their life feasting uh, on a great buffet in front of them. uh, And everybody in the city was still starving. Everybody in their entire country uh, was still eating uh, their children, still eating pigeon poop and still going uh, through everything that they were going through. And finally, they came to their senses and realized, wait a second, it's still a siege in the city. If we don't tell them, uh, they don't know that the way has been made. Uh, If we don't tell them, uh, they'll never know that they don't have to live in hopelessness. Uh, If we don't tell them about Jesus, uh, they're never going to know that they don't have to live in depression. Uh, If we don't share uh, the gospel, they're never going to know that they don't have to live uh, in addiction. If we don't share uh, what God is doing in this building, then the siege outside of this building goes on. I'm not quite sure how to end this service, but I believe God wants to do something mighty in this place. If you're hungry to break the siege, not only in your own life, but in this entire area. Won't you flood this altar? Why don't we come in together up close? Uh, It's a little different, I know. uh, But if anybody is desiring to see something different in your own life, uh, won't you come? If you feel like you can't tap in uh, to the presence of God, you need to be in this altar. Uh, If you're facing a dark situation, uh, you need to be in this altar. Uh, If you've just gone through a battle in your life uh, and you're trying to recover and get back on your feet, you need to be in this altar right now. If you read the rest of the story, the lepers go back to the city and they shout out to the gate, hey, the Syrians are gone. And to the people inside, it seems so hard to believe. And when we first go And we shout to our family, hey, I'm free from addiction. My sins have been washed away. It seems like they don't believe. But off of a chance and off of desperation, they found uh, five horses left. And they sent five men out on horseback uh, to see if what this church was telling them was true. uh, To see if Jesus was really as powerful as they say he is. uh, To see if there's really freedom from depression and addiction uh, like we claim there is. They sent five. And those five saw it with their eyes. uh, And they saw the great breakthrough that had happened uh, And they went back to the city and they told everyone inside. And that day, no more pigeon poop. And those that were striking out in a new entrepreneurial fashion and collecting pigeon poop were probably quite disappointed. Because there was flour in the gate. And once word got out of what was going on outside the city. There was no holding back the mass. 
There was no holding back the group of people. Uh, There was no holding anybody back. They broke down the gate. uh, They rushed out uh, and they found that place of freedom. They found that place of rejoicing. Uh, I am firmly convinced convinced, uh, that when the word gets out, uh, there is no telling uh, the size and the scope of the revival uh, in these last days. Uh, There is no telling uh, the size and the scope of the breakthrough that is going to come uh, in Jesus' name. But all along the way, there's a siege against hopelessness. There's a siege against heaviness. And right now, I'm about to quit preaching, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to quit preaching. We're going to enter into an altar call for a few moments. We're going to pray for about three minutes, and that spirit of heaviness is going to rest upon us. And we're going to decide, oh, that was a good sermon. Man, Jared was really yelling today. I hope you say that. That'd be nice. That'd be really, really handy. Unless a little ragtag bunch of people decides, I'm going to fight and I'm going to overcome. If you're with me today and you are interested in just taking out uh, once and for all that hopelessness in your life, would you lift your hand? All right. Awesome. There's a vast majority of the people in this room. If you're not, if your hands are not raised right now, I want to encourage you. This is not hype. This is not emotion. Yes, I am passionate. I was passionate in the world. I was loud and obnoxious in the world. So I'll be loud and obnoxious in the church. I'll be even louder, even more obnoxious because I'm passionate about seeing what God wants to do come to pass. So here's what we're going to do. If your hands are raised, we're very simply going to lift our hands. And we're going to pray against heaviness. We're going to pray against hopelessness. The Bible says the antidote to it, to the spirit of heaviness, is to put on the garment of praise. And so in about three minutes, when my voice is faded and we've all gotten a little fatigued and tired, And that heaviness begins to set in and try to convince us that we've had enough. It's time to put on the garment of praise together. So if your hands are in the air right now and you're in agreement with me, uh, why don't we begin to lift our voice with our hands uh, and begin to thank him by faith uh, for what he's doing in this city. Thank him uh, by faith for what he's going to do in your life. Why don't we thank him by faith right now uh, for breaking bonds of addiction? Uh, If you've won any battles this year, go ahead and thank him. Uh, If you've won any fights this year, go ahead and thank him. Uh, If you've taken out any enemy in your life this year, you go ahead and thank him. Uh, Come on, lift your voice. Uh, Let's do it together in Jesus' name. Uh, God, I thank you uh, that I could overcome uh, in a battle against